0: No one's on,? Me. <laughs> well thank you, Nikki. Thank you for all that you do for worship and for this church. And um, thank you, the RTB leadership, Return to Bethlehem, and for everybody who's been a huge part of this. Um, it is exciting to be here this morning, um to finally be here on this day as we kick off this journey together. As I said earlier, if you weren't here, Emily and I have felt so welcome from the very first moment. We knew we were coming here. Um, and we're just we're just grateful. We're grateful today as we begin this journey together. As some of you know, our life this last season has been full of transitions. That kind of began April 9th when it was announced here um, and everywhere else that I would be coming here as a lead pastor, and that set off a series of meetings and exciting times to greet one another. And then on May 13th, I was married. We got married at Brentwood, Tennessee, at Brentwood United Methodist Church. I think we have a picture up here um, from our wedding of my beautiful bride. And um, so you can... You can see her, isn't she lovely? Yes. Um, So we had an awesome time at our wedding, went on a honeymoon, and then soon after that, June 14th, I was ordained as an elder in the United Methodist Church and had, had some great people there supporting me, and that was an exciting time. And then two days later, which this is like last week, right, June 16th, we moved into our new house right off Jodico Road, um, and here is our, our new little yard, and some people from the church helped cut the grass and lay pine straw. And so we are finally feel like we're getting settled in, and now June 25th, we're excited that this is the starting point of our journey together with you. And as we begin this journey together, I thought what we'd do over the next number of weeks, kind of throughout July, is that we would look at different people's journeys with God throughout the Bible. Because time and time again, what happens is God has an encounter with someone. He gives them an invitation to go on a journey. And then from that point on, things in their life are new and they're exciting. And while the invitations look a little different and the journeys of each character looks different, God does something new and exciting in their life. And so we're going to begin in Genesis and we're going to look at different characters growing chronologically throughout the whole Scriptures. And so I hope you'll join us each week, um, not just today, as we make this journey together and I felt like it was appropriate to look at different people's journeys because as we've been saying today we're starting a journey together. We're stepping out into the future. God is inviting us into a new season and I believe that it's going to be new and it's going to be exciting and if you believe that this morning would you say amen? Amen. Amen. All right somebody asked me if, if I liked it when people talked to me when I was preaching and I told them yes. So if you feel like talking and saying amen please do so. And so this morning, we're going to look at the life of Abram. The life of Abram in Genesis chapter 12. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open it there. Genesis chapter 12. And now, many of you know Abram most likely as Abraham, right? That's a name change he gets later. Um, But at this point, he's known as Abram. And we don't know a ton about him at this point, but we know that his name is Abram. He's married to a woman named Sarai, who later becomes Sarah. And we learn that he's 75 years old, and we also know that he and his wife, they're unable to conceive children. And so that's kind of all we know right here at Genesis chapter 12, and beginning in verse 1, we see the very first recorded time that God spoke to Abraham. And here's how it goes. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And I want to pause right here in the midst of this passage because we see some amazing things, right? God makes some amazing promises to Abram. God says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And everyone in the entire world will be blessed through you. I don't know about you, but those are the kind of promises from God I want, right? Those are the promises from God I want. But if you notice what God says to Abram before he gives them these promises. He says, go. Go. He says, go from your people. Go from your country. Go from your father's household. Go step out into the unknown. And then he gives this set of promises. I mean, for me, that's like God telling me, Jonathan, go. Go from Conyers, Georgia, the land where you grew up. Go from your new home in Henry County. Actually, go from the southeast. Go leave the United States Go to a new culture with a new language. And actually, I'm not going to even tell you where you're going yet. I'm going to show you on the way. It's like God saying to me, go. Go from your friends. My best man for my wedding, he's here with us today. He's joining. God, it's like God saying, go. Leave him behind. Leave behind Emily's friends. You know what? You have this new church family. They've been so welcoming to you. Go. Go. Step out into the unknown. It's like God saying to me, Jonathan, go. Go from your father's household. Leave your mom dead, your grandparents, your cousins over in Conyers. Forget about Emily's parents and your new in-laws in Tennessee. Don't stop by Atlanta and say goodbye to your brother, his wife, and your nephew there. Don't go to Macon. Don't say goodbye to your nephew, your brother, and his wife there. No, leave behind everything you know and go. 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 Can you imagine that? Can you put yourself in that situation of receiving that invitation from God? God telling you to go. Sell your house that you just paid off. Go. Travel somewhere new. You don't know the language. You don't know the culture. You don't know the food. Just go. Leave behind everything you're familiar with. Go. I don't know about you, but when I read... That invitation from God, it's kind of scary to me. It's scary to me because I should just go ahead and admit that I, I am a planner. Do we have any planners in here? Anybody like to plan in here? God bless you. God bless you. Okay. I am a planner. Like I'm the person in the group when they're talking about dinner that night, I get on my phone, I go to Yelp, I go to Google, I go to TripAdvisor, I look up the reviews, and then we decide where to go based on that, right? I'm the type of person I start my day with the to-do list and I try to check the things off as you go along. I'm the type of person on my very first date with Emily. I was living in Buford. She was living in Atlanta at the time. and I said, "You know what, I need to make sure this goes extra smooth." And so I drove to Atlanta the day before. I found the best parking lot near the restaurant that we were going to go to. So then I walked from the parking lot to the restaurant to kind of get a gauge for the distance, confirm the reservation at the restaurant, and then... I said, you know what, if this date goes well, we need like an after spot, right? You we need to go to continue, continue things on. So I walked down the street, and I found a little coffee shop that had ice cream, and I thought, okay, this will be perfect. And so I said, you know, if it goes well, we can go there. If it doesn't go well, it's not too far to the parking lot. We can drop her off at home. It'll be okay. But thankfully, right, it went well, and we went to the coffee shop, and we've been going there every year on our anniversary since. But that's the kind of person I am. I'm a planner, and so I wish... I wish, I'm envious of people who can just sit back and just live out the plans that we planners make, right? I wish I could just go with the flow more. And so when I see Abram's response to God, it's, it's almost, it's scary for me. It's scary for me. It's bold, and I'm thinking, what are you thinking, Abram? But if you look at the passage and you see what he does, what does he do? He went. Abram went in the midst of a culture where you didn't travel far distances. You didn't leave your clan, your family behind. It was dangerous to travel. In the midst of all of that, he left it behind and he went. And we continue in verse 4 of chapter 12, and we find this. Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And then from there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. And when you just think about what's going on here and put yourself in Abram's shoes, there's so many things that he could have worried about. There's so many things that he could have feared, but instead of fear, Abram had faith. When God invited Abram on the journey, Abram decided to live with faith and to step out into the unknown. And I don't know how many of you are new to church or been in church a while, but faith, faith is one of those words that we use a lot in church. And we throw it around, and we don't always exactly know what it means. But so this morning, I want to give you a definition of faith, a a definition that I love, and it's from Martin Luther. And here's how Martin Luther defines faith. He says, Faith is a living, bold trust in God's grace, so certain of God's favor that it would risk death a thousand times trusting in it. Faith is a living, bold trust. Trust. That's what Abram had. He had this bold trust that God was going to keep his promises. He had this bold trust in this God who had called him, and he literally risked his life as he went. And here's the thing. As Abram went, as Abram stepped out in faith and took this risk, God kept his promises. And Abram was blessed, and he was not only blessed, he was also a blessing to others. And now, because I tend to be such a planner, there aren't all these moments in my life where I feel like I've just jumped out into the unknown and I've just lived with bold, extravagant faith. But there are a few that come to mind. One of them was just a few weeks ago. Emily and I were on Simpson Mill Road driving down this way right before we had the meet and greet here. And we pulled over into a a little neighborhood there and we just sat in the car and we prayed together because we felt like we're stepping into the unknown here. We don't know any of the people here. We've never been to worship here. We're just stepping out. And so there in our car, we simply prayed, God, give us faith. Give us faith as we boldly step out into the unknown. We know that you are good, that you are for us, and that you are with us. Then we got in our cars, and we we scooted back down here to the driveway. We got out of the car, and that night, many of you were here. We had an amazing time as we got to meet so many of you and feel the love. And since then, God has answered that prayer. God has been faithful as we have stepped out into the unknown of joining you, the Harvest Point family. And it's been amazing. That was one time that comes to mind. Another time that comes to mind is when I was in seminary. When I was in seminary, we had to do internships during the summer. And so there were a few different options of where you could do the internships. And one of them was in Methodist churches in rural North Carolina. Which I was like, okay, that would be a cool experience. But then they also had these international placements that you could take. And so that summer, I was single, I was kind of like, you know what, let's, let's see where things go, and so I don't know if it was God nudging me or what, but I filled out the application for an international placement. I submitted the application and didn't think much of it, and then I got an interview, and in the interview, I was kind of like, yeah, I think this would be cool, and they said, okay, you're going, you're good, and then, you know, we had exams and everything, and then I found myself on an airplane just a few weeks later, reading an introduction for Dummies Guide to Spanish. (laughs) Because I had never taken a Spanish course in my entire life. But yet, here I was on an airplane headed to Central America to live for a number of months, spending half my time in language school in Guatemala and half my time in El Salvador working for the Evangelical Methodist Church of El Salvador. And so I'm sitting there on the plane. I'm flipping through this book, Introduction to Spanish. I don't know how to pronounce any of the words. Thankfully, there was a Hispanic gentleman next to me, and he taught me hola, bueno, adios. And so I felt like, okay, I'm good for the first day, right? I can, I can make it through when I get off the airplane. And so get off the airplane, and I have a little notebook that has two addresses in it. One is for a bus station, and so I show the taxi drivers and everything. I get to the bus station, and then I take a bus for four hours to a city that's through the mountains called Quetzaltenango, where the language school was. So I'm on the bus. I'm looking out the windows. The landscape is foreign to me. There's volcanoes. There's fields. There's fruits and vegetables I've never seen. There's people who look different than I'm used to seeing. They're wearing typical Mayan clothing that they wear. And I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, my goodness. What have I done? I was sitting on the bus thinking, God, what am I doing here? As we drove through the mountains and as it got darker and darker and darker. And then finally the bus dropped me off at the language school. And there I met a woman who was the director of the school. And she spoke a little English. And so she said to me, your host family will be here to pick you up soon. You're not allowed to speak any English in the house when you live with them. Which doesn't matter because they don't speak English anyway. And when you're at school and around any of us, you're not allowed to speak English as well. And it was raining. And it was dark. It was raining like it was yesterday, just coming down in sheets. And then she, just, she was just kind of quiet. She stood there quietly, and I stood there. And I, I was thinking, God, what am I doing here? I don't know why I'm on this journey. I don't know how I'm going to do any of this. And then a pickup truck came and picked me up. We didn't say anything because I had nothing to say. And they, we dropped, got dropped off at the house. And then I found my little bedroom where I spent the next eight weeks living. But you know, something happened there as I was standing waiting for that pickup truck to pick me up. I looked off in the distance, and I saw this. I saw this cathedral in downtown Quetzaltenango, and in the midst of the rain and in the midst of the darkness, I looked up and I saw that cross. And when I saw that cross, it was as if God was saying to me, Jonathan, I am with you. I am for you, and everything is going to be okay on this journey. And so as I went to language school day after day and learned some Spanish here and there, God was faithful. God blessed me. God blessed me with new friends with, with some new language skills I didn't have before. God blessed me with, with eyes to see a new culture that I really hadn't paid much attention to. God blessed me with the food and so many other things. And then I was not only blessed, but since that time, God has used this experience to help me be a blessing for others. As I've led trips to Guatemala, as I've led mission trips to El Salvador, as I've been able to translate at a very basic level for people... I was blessed as I stepped out in faith, and I've also been able to be a blessing since that time. And here's the thing for us, is that sometimes we think it's faith or it's fear. But even when I was, when I was down there and I, I knew those promises from God were for me and I was living with faith, fear still crept in, right? There were still times where I feared that I was maybe being taken advantage of. I had fears that I sounded like a two-year-old when I spoke Spanish because I did sound like a two-year-old and I still do sound like a two-year-old when I speak Spanish. I had fears that maybe I was doing things that were culturally inappropriate. But here's the thing. When we look at Abram's life, Abram, even as he went and he stepped forth with bold faith, he still had fear mixed in as well. Right after this story in in chapter 12, we, we find Abram going to a city with his wife. And he realizes that his wife is so beautiful that all the people in the city are going to kill him. And so he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell everybody she's my sister instead. He lies, which was against God's will, and God didn't like that. And then later, as the years go by, and Abram's fighting wars, and he's, he's trying to live in this land and figure things out, and he's thinking about these promises that God has given him, you get the sense that perhaps Abram is beginning to, to question God and to think, God, how is there going to be a great nation coming from my lineage? God, how, how are my offspring going to inherit this land? Because I don't have offspring. We're unable to conceive. But the cool thing is, is that instead of letting his fears keep him from God, his fears led him closer to God. It led him to have a conversation with God we read about in Genesis chapter 15. It's on your outline as well in your notes. Genesis chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, we find this. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord. What can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. But then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside. And I love this part. He said, Look up. At the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. And a lot of you know the rest of the story. You know that God was faithful, and that when Abram, Abram at this point, was about 100, and his wife was around 90 years old, God blessed them with a child, Isaac. God changed their names, Sarai became Sarah, Abram became Abraham, meaning father of many nations, And from their descendants came the nation of Israel. And from the nation of Israel and his descendants eventually came Jesus Christ, the one through whom the whole world would be blessed. Abram was invited by God on a journey, and he responded with faith and not with fear. And as he went, he was blessed, and he was a blessing to others. And as I said earlier, I believe God is calling us on a journey as a church And let's be honest, really, it's a journey into the unknown. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like or where God is going to take us. But here's the good news. We can live with faith instead of fear because God is for us. We can live with faith instead of fear because God is for us. If you take notes, I want you to write that down. We can live with faith instead of fear because God is for us. And here's how we know God is for us. When in Genesis, God looked at the good world He created, this world that was perfectly good, when He looked at that world and He saw sin and brokenness entering into the scene, He didn't just step back. Instead, He leaned in. He leaned in and He called Abram to be part of the solution, to be part of the story of redemption. He called Moses, He sent the prophets, and in the fullness of time, He sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to rescue us, to redeem us, to save us. He sent Jesus into this world to live the perfect life that nobody at that time had lived and nobody ever since has lived. This perfect life showing us how we're called to live. He sent Jesus into the world to die upon the cross. The death that you and I deserved as punishment for our sins. But instead of punishing us, God said, you know what, I'm going to take that upon myself in Jesus Christ so that we can be forgiven. God sent Jesus Christ into this world, and after He died, He rose again. He conquered sin. He conquered death, and He opened up a pathway for you and for I to have a relationship with Him now and in eternity. That's how we know God is for us. But God didn't stop there. God also sent the Holy Spirit into the world, to guide us into the future, to be His presence with us, to comfort us and to let Him know He will never leave nor forsake us. And you know what I love about being part of a church that's only 17 years old now? I love that there are witnesses here today who can say we have stepped out into the unknown. We stepped out, we left churches, we left communities so that this church could be planted. Because we knew God was for us. God was for this community. God wanted people in Henry County and Spalding County and beyond to know the good news of Jesus Christ. If you were part of that team 17 years ago or early on, would you raise your hand? These people are witnesses. They're witnesses to the reality that we can live with faith and not with fear because God is for us. And they'll be the first people to tell you that It doesn't mean that it was easy. It doesn't mean that there weren't roadblocks or challenges. But I guarantee you, if you go ask each of them after the service, they'll tell you that they have been blessed. They have been blessed. And in turn, this church has been a blessing to this community. I mean, if you simply open up your bulletin today, you'll see, right? Starting tomorrow, we have vacation Bible camp here at the church to bless the kids in this community. We've been collecting cereal. We have the cereal box challenge out there. You can drop it off throughout this week as we bless this region with food. We're sending students and adults to Nicaragua. We're trying to bless the nations. God has blessed us, and now we're being a blessing to other people. And in this next season, God is inviting us on a journey. He's inviting us to continue to step out in faith as this church has done for the last 17 years. He's calling us to step boldly into the future, but He's not only calling us as a church, I believe He's also calling each of us as individuals to do the same thing. He's calling you in every sphere of influence in your life, in your home, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. He's calling you to live with faith instead of fear. God is inviting you on a personal journey to give up those things that you've put your hope and your trust in, to leave behind your reputation, to leave behind your reliance on your finances, to leave behind these things that so often keep you from Him. He's calling you and He's calling me to fully surrender our lives to Him and to step into every area of our lives with faith. And so this morning as we close the service, I want to give you a time and I want to give you some space to respond to God and to respond to this invitation to the journey that He's given you and He's given me this morning. And if you notice in Scripture, Abram responded to God in two ways. First, he lived with faith the second thing he did was he built an altar. We see time and time again throughout the Bible, people building altars after powerful encounters with God. And that's what Abram did. And these altars, they almost serve as road marks on the journey. As little road marks, landmark signs to remind people of God's faithfulness to them to remind them of a powerful encounter with God. And so this morning, as we begin this new season together, as we begin this journey together, what I want to invite us to do is to literally build an altar. And we have have four stations up here with rocks. We're going to build an altar with rocks. And we have one for each of you. And in just a moment, what I'm going to invite you to do is to come forward and to take a rock... A rock which will represent your life, and to write on there with one of the Sharpies we have here, to write on there an area of your life in which you want to say to God this morning, God, today I'm going to begin living by faith in this area and not by fear. It could be your marriage. It could be a situation in your workplace. It could be that friend or that coworker that you've been wanting to invite here, but you've been afraid and you want to say, God, today I'm going to write their name on this rock and dedicate them to you. Help me to have boldness. It could be in your finances. You want to say, God, I'm tired of hedging my bets. I want to go all in for you and with you. I don't don't know you all that well yet. I don't know the exact area of your life in which God is calling you to step out in faith. It could be the future of this church. It could be something with your kids. But I'm going to invite you to come and to write on that rock. And to simply place it here at the edge of the altar. And if you're able and you're comfortable, I'd love it. If you want to pray up here, feel free to kneel and to pray or you can pray in your seats. We're going to we're going to have enough time for everybody to come up and write and do this. And as I begin the journey as your pastor today, I'm going to be over here by this exit sign. And if there's a special area of your life that you'd like to be prayed over, I'd love for you to come over there so I can pray with you and pray for you. And I also recognize today that Some of you might be here out of curiosity and you might have been curious about a journey with God for a long time. And maybe you don't feel like you've started that journey. You've crossed the starting line. Maybe you don't feel like you've ever really trusted God and His Son Jesus Christ and what He's done for you. And if you want to start that journey today, I'd love for you to come over, talk with me, pray with me, find me after the service. I would love to help you Start your journey this season as we begin a journey as a church. And so this morning, let's step out in faith together. Let's dedicate our lives and this church to God and trust Him for our future. Oscar and the worship team are going to lead. And as you feel led, won't you come?